0: Today is November 1st, 2008, and we're looking at Lesson 9, Pray. Let's open in prayer. Our Father, our King, we do thank you that you do hear our voice and that you have called us to pray. Lord, as we, uh, as we examine your word today, we ask that you teach us to pray, not from, uh, not from our own, necessarily, our own traditions, our own background, but Father, teach us to pray in the way and in a manner. Uh, that you have prescribed. Father, teach us to pray effectively. We know that the righteous, that the, uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man fails much. And Father, we ask that you might um, be with us as we discuss praying and that you might uh, motivate us to pray. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hear our voice, Lord our God. Pity and be compassionate to us and accept with compassion and favor our prayer. For God who hears prayers and supplications are you from before yourself, our King. Turn us not away empty-handed, for you hear the prayer of your people Israel with compassion. Blessed are you, Lord, who hears prayer. Amen. That's Shema Lenu from uh, the Shemona Esra, the Amidah. Uh, today we're looking at prayer, and the scripture I have for a focus for us here is uh, from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14-16. through 16. And sadly, most people stop at verse 15. Or um, This is actually a fairly, fairly well-known passage. Uh, not a lot of people know the context of this passage, though. This passage uh, takes place as Solomon has built a temple to the Almighty in Jerusalem. Uh, David, his father, had been, had been forbidden to build the temple, so Solomon was chosen to build the temple. Uh, by God's plan. And uh, as he approaches God and asks God uh, for his kindness and his mercy to dwell in this place made with human hands, uh, and he goes through a long, uh, the previous chapter, chapter 6, goes through a long, long, long list of reasons and, and, and circumstances whereby God would, would hear the prayer of those praying there. And this is God's response to Solomon. If my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to, the, to prayer made in this place. And he's speaking of the temple in Jerusalem. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Second Chronicles 7, verses 14 through 16. And of course, uh, this is one of the reasons, uh, I guess is the primary reason, why um, when we uh, stand and pray formally, we face that place. <laughs> Um, last work week last week we looked at uh, the idea of worship, and we saw that worship is not something that you do just once a week or twice a week it 's something that you live. It is an ongoing continual thing. The primary form of worship uh, the primary form of worship is to walk in obedience to what god 's commanded that 's the primary form of worship, as we saw. Uh, certainly then our worship with our lips with our hands, is uh, something that is simply a matter of, of uh, following up when we get together. But uh, the primary form of worship is when we're going throughout the day, every day. Uh, this is connected. And it, it, we're going to see that uh, next week we'll look at, at fasting and we, we look, we're look. we going to look at serving later on. We see that all of these words, uh, this group of words are connected. Pray, worship. Um, these are connected. Um, and the, the very sad thing is that, that sometimes we have gotten in habits of of uh, making these words religious words as opposed to lifestyle words. Uh, worship is a is a prime example we saw last week. It more is a religious word. Well, that's the thing you do as a more matter of working your religion out, or you know, uh, exercising your faith, however you want to describe it. Uh, we we have a very good job. We do a very good job of, of compartmentalizing our lives, where there's the part that belongs to God, and then there's the part that kind of belongs to Him and uh, what we saw with worship is that all belongs to Him and every part of our day is supposed to be an act of worship in the same way I want you to see prayer uh, today as we talk about this that it becomes so part of your life that it's not something that you um, necessarily have to stop and do but it's something that is constantly constantly on your mind always available Palal is the word the verb is Palal and I've written that on the board here it's a Pe alamid and alamid together Pay lamid lamid, and the pictograph, the picture is the pay is always a mouth. That's that's mouth in Hebrew pay. Uh, so the pay is always a mouth. Kind of looks like a mouth, doesn't it? Like an open mouth with teeth there. Uh, pay a Lamed, and a Lamed. and lamid is a teaching word or a directing word. It's uh, it's the idea of uh, of a shepherd's goad, right? Shepherd's staff even looks kind of like a shepherd's staff in the Assyrian script there. So we see that this this mouth is directed. By the shepherd, or by the Almighty Himself. So it's a mouth under the direction of the Lord, is 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 one way of looking at it. The noun I wrote down there in in uh, in, in transliterated tefillah, tefila, palal, just like in English, a p can also sound like a f, right? A P a can sound like it become a fe, just like we put a ph, right? That's where we get it from. Ph becomes a f sound. That's where we get. So that's where the that's where the uh, the f in tefila comes from. Uh, It is basically, it's the noun form of the verb palal. Palal is to pray. Tefillah is prayer. And when you read in Acts, when it talks about the prayers in English, it actually is is, uh, singular. Sometimes it's singular when it's put in English because it doesn't make any sense in English. The prayer, what's the prayer? Everybody asks the question, what's the prayer? Oh, well, it's the Amidah. Well, should we be praying that? No, 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 that's for Jews only. So you can see why the translators would uh, want to, Somehow hide that. So, uh, but you can read. You can read a lot of times where uh, spe- specifically in the Book of Acts it talks about pr- the prayer with actually the definite article the prayer. It's talking about the tefila or hattafila hattafila is the Amidah, the Shimona Esra, the eighteen benedictions, part of which I just I just read from. So it's it's like we say it's an ancient uh, tefila is is a noun. It's also uh, one of the things that people probably have difficulty with we, pr- mo- most people don 't have trouble praying spontaneously um, uh, as you 're about to pull into the gas station, Lord, please let there be gas
1: <laughs> right
0: and, you know or or uh, or as they 're laying people off, Lord, please let it not be me. Uh, most people don't have problems praying that way. Those are prayers of request and, and uh, you know, we are very good at that. We've exercised that. We have no problem praying that. People get ill, we pray for them. Uh, those are, and in that regard, uh, God has blessed us greatly with, with an understanding that if we need something, we ask Him. You know, that's wonderful. Uh, but as we're going to see, that's only one, one form of prayer. That's only one reason to pl- pray. We are mildly okay with praying as a form of praise but really not as good as we probably should be. Uh, an example would be, not to be critical of our service, but, but an example would be, when do we pray in our service? There's a couple of times we pray in our service, but how much of it is participatory? You say, close your eyes so that you concentrate, right? Close your eyes, and you're supposed to be praying with whoever else is praying, but oftentimes it really isn't. Your heart may, your heart may be wanting to, but your mind wanders a little bit, maybe. Uh, Part of the reason for that is that the idea of praying as praise, or praying as a part of a worship service or whatever else, is is largely been diminished to a few moments. And and the difference, Judaism, of course, considers prayer to be the reason why we get together, as opposed to a nice little interlude while we're together. Uh, Teaching is secondary to praying. It's a remarkable thing when you think about it. Praying is—you know—I used to read about people uh, um, uh, praying. Hyde, uh, uh, the the uh, the man who went to India and and basically prayed himself to death, uh, praying all the time. You know, instead of eating, uh, you know, it's so remarkable. How does somebody pray for that many hours and hours on end? You know, and and certainly those kind of people they they do. But what's wonderful is if you pray as a matter of praise, you can pray for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> just have to keep reading. The book of Satan, the reason I'm bringing this up is, it says a liturgical poem or prayer, tefillah. The psalms are prayers. That's Mm -hmm. what they are. They're prayers. They're prayers to be prayed collectively in the temple. That was their purpose. That's why David wrote them. And others wrote them. They wrote them for, for us and for those who worshipers there to pray liturgically, out loud, together. And it was the reason that they got together. When we see the apostles going in Acts back to the temple uh, during, it says during the time, the hour of prayer or during the times of prayer. They're going in the morning, they're going in the afternoon they're going and they're praying at the time of prayer. Where That was the whole reason they went. Maybe sometimes they would go to do offerings but that was, that was the part that everybody could come and do. Even if you didn't go into the, on, into the entrance of the temple into the inner, inner court everybody could go and pray. And and that that was the wonderful thing is that they would would go and pray the psalms. Uh, It was an order of service. Let's look at the first usage for Palau, or a variation of Palau, which is uh, Genesis 20, verse 7. This is the first time that it's ever used. Uh, and it gives us a, it gives us some very good insights. Uh, let me set this up for you. This is where Abimelech, a- Abraham and, and 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 Sarah have um, have. There's they've moved close to uh, the Philistines here, or uh, their ancestors. Uh, Abimelech is the leader of this group. It's a title, and uh, they've moved close to them there in in the in the land of Israel, s- southern southern edge of the land of Israel. They've moved close to them and they're living cl- uh, close by. And Abraham has pulled this thing he did with the Pharaoh, don't, don't act like you're my wife because we'll get, I'll get killed otherwise. And Abimelech has has basically uh, included her in his uh, group of prospective women. Okay? And, and, uh, and because of that, God comes to him in a dream and says, that's it you're, you're going to die because you've done this. And, and of course, then, then he says, but, but you need to ask Abraham to pray for you. Let's, let's look at uh, verse 7. Now therefore, restore the man's wife for he is a prophet. God is speaking to Abimelech. For he is a prophet. He's speaking of Abraham. And he will pray for you. In other words, when Abraham will pray for Abimelech, he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all who are you, who are yours? And then skip down to verse 17 and 18. Abraham, of course, responds. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife. And this is Abimelech, which is uh, father. You know, our our father, the king, is what that, that title means. Uh, Abimelech, his his wife, and his fa- and his female servants. Then they bore children. God had shut the wombs of all the all the uh, the, the womenfolk of this of this uh, this man's family. So, in fact, Abraham prays, God answers his prayer. What do we learn from this? It's uh, interesting because God wants the righteous to pray. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that sounds like so. I mean, yeah. But it it is kind of remarkable. God is the sovereign king of the universe. Uh, What does he need and what does he want, you know, his creatures uh, to pray for? Specifically to pray in this manner, to pray for something. You know, he can do it, right? You know, if he wanted to spare... Abimelech, you could. Why, why did he want Abraham involved? Why not just, hey, make it all right? You know, send, send Sarah back, you know, and we'll say nothing ever happened because nothing did happen. That was the whole point was Isaac was going to be born later and there shouldn't be any doubt as to his, his, uh, his patronage. So, so, but, you know, why, why? Okay, no foul. You know, you did something wrong. Uh, we're not going to go anywhere. Okay, that's fine. Let's, let's, why did he say, go tell Abraham and Abraham's going to pray for you? Why include Abraham? God wants the righteous to pray. He does. He wants the righteous to pray. He wants the righteous to pray in this, this part. And here's, I think, the reason why. Because prayer is part of the restorative process. Prayer is part of the process of restoring people. Restoring who? Abimelech and his family? Yes. Who else? Abraham. That's right. Isn't
1: Abraham lie? Um,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, that's debatable. Actually, it wasn't a lie, but, you know, he's fudging the truth anyway, right? She's my sister. Well, she was. But not in the way that he meant. He <laughs> was trying to deflect the truth. The truth is, she's my wife.
1: <laughs> yes? did God also put Abraham in a position of being God's man... That's right.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, you know, uh, you know. Speaking of the redemption of Abimelech, I don't know. But regardless of, of whether Abimelech is is in any way redeemed through this, he's, certainly his life is spared. In other words, which is a which is a blessing from God. Uh, the the uh, the women uh, are able to bear children, which is a blessing from God. So what we see is this is God is restoring this this group of people. Uh, Abimelech's people, through Abraham's prayer. God uses the prayers of the righteous as a means to bless them and those they pray for. Now, we don't have a problem with that generally. We ask for God's blessing for us. We ask God that, for a blessing for others. We, and that's, that's one of the reasons. This is one of the things that we're actually pretty good at praying about. Right? Maybe not for our enemies. <laughs> but, but this is actually something we understand. Okay, see people get ill, you pray, you know, God... God, you know, sometimes heals in His sovereign, sovereign will. We, you know, we rejoice in the fact that He heals people. So we don't we don't have necessarily have a problem with this. Um, what's interesting, though, is when we talk about blessing Him, and that's part of praise. And we'll, we'll look into that. And then, lastly, interesting because of this prayer, because of the dream, and then the prayer, Sarah's restored. Abimelech's family is restored. And what we see is that Sarah conceives and, and the fatherhood of Isaac is not in doubt. Right? And so, this is actually part of the promises. It's the, it's the means, prayer is a means by which God fulfills His promises. Now, that's a, that is amazing. He is going to fulfill His purposes. His promises will be done. He will fulfill them and He wants us to participate in praying for that. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Right? God, God, we get to join on this grand scheme that God has. And that's, that's, that is a purpose for prayer. Go to Job chapter 42.8. This is very similar to the Abimelech uh, usage. And because of this first usage, I think it's very, like, like I said, I think it's laudable that we actually are, are fairly good at praying in this way that the first usage speaks of. And that is praying for healing and for restoring. Uh, Job chapter 42 verse 8 says, uh, This is a very similar occurrence. Uh, well, not similar occurrence, but uh, we have these friends of Job's who, who may not seem like friends, but uh, we have these friends of Job's who are telling him basically, actually what they're telling him, some of them they're telling him are actually pretty good, you know, make sure you haven't sinned first before you assume that everything that's happening to you is unjust, right? Well, anyway, these friends actually don't tell the truth in this regard. They, they accuse Job and God tells Job uh, God basically uh, has other purposes for Job and is teaching him things that, of course, that none of these people can see. So, uh, but here it is now. Therefore, take for yourself. Seven. He's speaking to them. Take for yourself, uh, se- for yourself, seven bulls, seven rams. Go to my servant Job. God is speaking to these three friends and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly because you have spoken you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And here God is actually not healing involved but actually forgiveness. That's a remarkable thing. You can actually pray for others. Uh, In this regard uh, of course they have to have a repent heart they have to follow through but uh, in this regard we see that Job righteous Job is praying for others. Go to Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. Teach us to pray. This is a great thing to say. right. Uh, did the disciples know how to pray? They're Jews. The very word, Jew, uh, Yehudi, right? The very word says they know how to pray. Uh, Hodu is to give thanks, right? Uh, so, So, that which is where Yehuda comes from. So, the very word, Jew, means a praiser or a thanker. Uh, someone who knows how to pray. Uh, it's one of the reasons why. Uh, it's one of the reasons why Judaism is so remarkably successful at defining themselves as people of prayer. Um, and I and I, I appreciate that a lot. I really do. Uh, it's not to diminish that, but it is a it is a challenge for those who who come from the Christian side of the family to recognize that when it comes to prayer, Jews are serious about prayer. Really serious about prayer. I mean. The average Orthodox Jew spends hours in prayer every single day. His life is directed. The watch on his hand tells him it's time to pray, and he stops, and she stops, and they pray, and they they do it collectively. They do it individually. There's no doubt that they are people of prayer. Yes.
1: Said something about the scriptures, and she said, "Well, I have my prayer book, mm-hmm. and Has the prayer book
0: taken the place?' The wonderful thing about the Siddur is the Siddur is basically scripture. Uh, there's there there, and not all of it is, uh, but almost all of it is. Well, I would guess, I you know, I haven't ever counted, but I would guess somewhere in the neighborhood of ninety to ninety-five percent of the sedur is actually scripture. It's grouped together, it's grouped together by theme or whatever else, but it's actually Scripture, the very words of Scripture. So, in that regard, y- y- yes, that is something to be cautious about, not studying, not studying Scripture itself. But I'm
1: not sure, I-, I think it's possible to repeat liturgical Of course, of course, like absolutely. Uh,
0: no question about it. Liturgical prayer, and that's one of the things that people, that's one of the reasons why people criticize liturgical prayer is because it can be done by rote without thinking uh, that's never its intent uh, it's one of those things though Roseanne's like a lot of things for every for every good usage there's an abuse uh, and we shouldn't we shouldn't because there's abuse we shouldn't we shouldn't necessarily say well I'm not going to pray that way because here's the, what Yeshua does in Matthew chapter 5:44. did his disciples know how to pray when they asked the question Lord teach us to pray yes they knew how to pray they were not country bumpkins in the sense they did not know how to pray. Later on, when we read about these apostles, these are, these are actually pretty, pretty pious men to start with. Uh, so what is it that they're asking? They're asking, teach us to pray the way that you pray. We need to know your method of prayer. How do you do it? He's the master. He's the, they're the disciples. But I say... this. Is it 544? That's not right.
1: scripture.
0: That's not the right place, is it? Let's go to six. Uh, how about go to six verse? Uh, actually, I think what I may have had there is. Uh, it, yeah, I think that's what I had. It said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's the purpose there. But while I have you in Matthew, let's move on to the, the method of prayer here because it's six. Yes, it's six. Uh, six verse. Actually, when, uh, go to six four. Uh, actually, go to six first. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to s- pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Well, Yeshua attended synagogue. It says it was his habit to go to the synagogue. Well, the synagogue then was just like the synagogue now. 90% of the r- reason you're there is to pray. Did he not pray in public? Of course he prayed in public. What's his, what's his point here, though?
1: Not to, be, just to do it
0: to not to do it to be seen. seen Can you pray in private? Good. Act like you're praying in private always. And then go down to six nine. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. He just gave them a liturgical prayer. And in fact, the first believers treated this as a liturgical prayer. It was, it was part of their prayer book. So, uh, the idea of praying liturgically, or reading reading a prayer... Not that it would be the only way that you pray, but as a as a means of worship is, is important and we 're going to get to that next because that 's part of the point of uh, prayer Prayer as praise. go to hosea chapter fourteen. This is where we are probably not so good. I include myself in this uh, is hosea it's prayer as praise ezekiel daniel hosea hosea fourteen one little Hebrew uh, Word Play here hosea fourteen one says, Is that the right one? Yes, O Israel, return to the Lord, your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity, take words with you and return to the Lord, and right away we see this is a part of repentance, okay, so say to him, take away our iniquity, actually that's not either where am i I'm still wrong, aren't I Yeah, it's the fruit of our lips, but it's not Hosea 14. Oh, there it is. Okay, it is there. I'm sorry. It's in verse... Yeah, it's at the end of verse 2. Save him. Take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we... Will offer the sacrifices of our lips. The word sacrifice is actually not the right word. Anybody have a different word there in their translation?
1: Offerings,
0: Offerings is actually a, the, best, the best one in English that I've heard yet. Any, uh, bulls? Anybody have bulls? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulls. It's, it's yeah. parim. Calves. Calves is actually the best here. Parim is what the word is. It actually says, for we will offer the bulls of our lips. The bulls of our lips. <laughs> What's the bulls of our lips? Um, we actually have an, a, a, a there's a word play on, 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 on the word bulls and lips here. But the point is that this is actually, uh, and I wrote it down for you, uh, in, the, in the Talmud, Tanit uh, 2a says, It has been taught to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart. What is service of the heart? And this, uh, this is Avodah. Uh, what is service of the heart? You need to need, say prayer. Uh, This idea that prayer replaced the offerings, uh, a lot of people find that to be somewhat offensive, I don't know why, uh, because when you take away part of the offering, part of the temple service that requires a temple, what are you left with? Prayer. This is what happened. At nine in the morning, the first prayers. At three in the afternoon, the afternoon prayers, the Misha prayers. And in the evening, when they gather all the offerings that have been laid between those two and pile them up in the middle of the the altar and let them burn all night, that's ma'ariv prayers, evening prayers. That's when people would come to the temple to pray. Well, if you take away the temple and the offerings, what do you have left? Praying at those times. And that's exactly... So it's not something to say that it's taken a place of. Although Reform Judaism says it's taken a place. We never need offerings again. Poof. We don't have anything to do with offerings. In that regard, they're dead on with... with, uh, um, most of our Christian brothers and sisters they want nothing to do with the temple. Well, build it so that the Lord will come back, but otherwise we don't have anything to do with that nonsense. So, in that regard, Reform Judaism's like that. We don't want that. Prayer's good enough. But understand that that the rest of us recognize that prayer was a part of the service, and so it's a memorial of the temple service. Now, what's the purpose of the temple? You see, Reformed Judaism and and, uh, Evangelical Christianity said the purpose for the temple was to to receive forgiveness for sins. And that's not the purpose for the temple. It was never the purpose for the tabernacle. The purpose for the tabernacle was so that God could dwell among His people. What did we go there for? Not to receive forgiveness of sins. May it never be. That was never its purpose. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, when you need your sins forgiven, come to the temple. Never did. Never would. Hebrews teaches us, but so does the Torah. It teaches the purpose was so that God could dwell among his people. And when his people came, they had a protocol which to approach him. The protocol was to offer up offerings. That way you didn't die while you were there. Where did we get that idea then? Uh, it's actually, there's a lot of, re- way, lot, lot of places it comes from. Let me just say this. The primary m- reason why people confuse the, or- the reason for the temple is paganism. That's why... Personally, I don't call them sacrifices. Pagan, sacrifices are a pagan idea. Offerings are different. Uh, uh, the, the, the idea that somehow God needs to be appeased is, is foreign to the scriptures. God does not need to be appeased. He needs a repentant heart. And, and, and what we go to the temple to do, that the tabernacle to do, is to worship the Almighty. To, to have an experience who in this room I've asked this question before who in this room if there was a place that you knew without, without a doubt that you could go today and be in the presence of the almighty and experience that you would go I'd go now he's here and I know he's here but I would go there too in fact that'd be the first place I'd, be on, I'd buy a ticket I'd be on the plane tomorrow <laughs> That the purpose, the purpose for the tabernacle, the purpose for the temple was so that people could enjoy the presence of God. So why not go there? I mean, if you'd, even if you didn't have offerings to offer, let's say you're not rich, but you live in Jerusalem. Or maybe you're there for the, for the feast. And, and, and you know the service is going on at 9 in the morning. You know, I can tell. This is, it's, we know what time it's going to start in the afternoon. I know what time it's going to start. And you could go to the temple courtyards and join the Levites singing the psalms. Would you want to do that? Yes, you'd want to do that. That's what the Siddur is. The Siddur is actually that book that defines those, those praise songs. It's prayer. It's prayer. What is, what is praise Prayer. It is recounting what God has done. That's why you don't find many petitions in it. You don't, have this, you don't have a whole lot of, Oh Lord, I need this and I need this and I need this. Those are great prayers. Those are necessary prayers. But what is the focus of prayer as you see in the Siddur? Usually it is repentance. I've sinned against you. Please don't turn your back to me. This, this is the, these are the Psalms of David who's a human being, who knows that he's, he's not worthy to stand in the presence of the king. And yet, he still is compelled to stand in the presence of the king and declare his worthiness, right? And declare how great a king he is. It is completely focused upon him, the king. This kind of prayer is generally, we, we, we are fairly good at this in, in, in short spurts, We often start, especially our group prayers, talking about how great God is, addressing Him as our King. But pretty soon it either ends or it ends up in petering off into making requests. Not the requests are bad. Notice that Yeshua's prayer here includes requests. That's right. It's not about that. There's, there's a time for requests. But the point here is that this, the prayer as worship is focused upon Him. It's focused upon Him. It remains focused upon Him. And it recounts what He did. And here's the very important thing I want you to understand. It recounts what He did, what He is doing, and what He will do. And oftentimes you will find in Hebrew, if, if, you, if you pray in English, which I do, if you pray in English... That you'll be saying things in three tenses: you've done it, you're doing it, you will do it. This like seems kind of repetitive. Why am I saying it that way? And it's uh, you f- if you pray for the sedora, you're going to find it a lot of times. You did it, you're doing it, you will do it. Why? Why would we do th- such things? And the point is that he keeps doing what he said he will do. And this is a this is a form of praise that you keep your promises, that what you said always applies. Well,
1: I was
0: no, 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 absolutely. This is not. I'm not diminishing re- prayers of request at all. We're looking at different kinds of prayer, and in this car- regard, prayer as praise. Uh, there's oftentimes request is almost forgotten in this kind of <laughs> Lewis.
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: Yes. That, that's true. That's true.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, the Shemona Esray, if you don't know this, during the, the Amidah during Shabbat is not 18 benedictions; it's only seven. Do you know why? It's Shabbat. What could be added? That tells you that 11 of those benedictions actually contain requests. They're not really requests. Lord, forgive us. You know, <laughs> I sinned against you? That's not a request, is it? Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you see that even within our praise, we have requests. So carefully, the original seven is probably probably uh, historically, uh, I don't know, but, but legend says the original seven were actually composed by Samuel or Hannah maybe even. And you, you actually can find this as a woman of prayer that it's very, very likely that it was either Samuel or Hannah. Well, those seven are, are simply praise. They're pure praise. There's, no, there's not a moment of request in it, with the exception of, "Will you build your temple again?" That's the request. Why? So, we can assist, So we can praise you there. That's the purpose. Uh, let's move on. Psalm 34. This, this is more uh, as prayer, and I've got to move on. I'm moving slow again. Psalm 34, uh, verse one through three, "I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul make its boast, shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Uh, prayer as praise is something that we oftentimes have to do alone. But it was given to us to do collectively as a group. This is something that we probably—I should—I shouldn't. I'm not talking about us here today, but uh, as as believers, we probably have failed miserably at this praying as praise collectively. Um, Colossians four two through four, same thing. Praying constantly. Let's move on to Psalm one forty five real quickly because I got you in Psalms already. Just move over to Psalm one forty five. Psalm one forty five is the Aleph Tav. Of of prayer, as praise. Psalm 145 is called Ashray. It's prayed twice daily in Shacharit in morning prayers, and also in Mincha prayers, afternoon prayers. Uh, if you ever say, "Well, I don't know what to pray, and I don't really, I don't have a sedur, I don't want to necessarily want to pray for, from a sedur," pick up a book, pick up your Bible, turn to Psalm 145 and pray it. Actually, you can pick up any of the Psalms, but Psalm 145. Psalm. Somebody has a Tehillim here. <laughs> you have a Tehillim there. Uh, oh, uh, yes, Ma'ariv. Yeah, but it's got it's got it's got Ashrei in there from from Mincha. Ashrei and actually has a so you can remember this actually was meant to be memorized, although it's better to read it I think. But it was meant to be memorized because it's, it's arranged by Aleph Bet Gimel. It's in it's in order of the Aleph Bet. So so this was actually a means by which you could teach people to pray. So, Ashray, what a what a marvelous psalm to pray! Um, it is Ashrei means to bless. That's what we're b- usually not very good at: blessing God, blessing Him, that He's given us the ability to even bless Him. We bless Him for blessing us to bless Him, so that we can bless Him. <laughs> um, and I and and then we already did it, Matthew six. 9 through 13, Yeshua's prayers, a prayer is a liturgical prayer. It's a poem. It is a poem. It's poetry. It's not meant to stifle us or constrain us or to just rattle off by rote where we don't think about it. It's why we talk about having kavana, having intention when you pray. Think about it. Pause for a moment. If you're going to read your prayers, you need to pause for a moment. Make sure that you're focused upon Him, because it is easy to just read. But I can tell you this from experience: it's easy to pray. It's easy to pray spontaneously without thinking about it too. What do we do? We use common words and common phrases. They roll off our lips. Do we know what we just said? Sometimes I hope we do. We should.
1: One thing I noticed there is, when David is praying, he's praying 145 and 146. He uses the personal name
0: yes. of God nine times. Yes, yes. Actually, it's a protocol. There's a protocol as to how you pray these. I'm just talking about tradition. The pro- protocol about God's name and how you say God's name or how, how you think about God's name if you don't say it, whether you have a group, a minion, or less. A, a group of a, a collective, a minion is considered ten. Uh, that's the way you count one through ten, 10 fingers. Uh, but whether you have a minion or less if you, have, if you have a minion or more then you are permitted to, to, to substitute a circumlocution that's closer to his name this is a, out loud uh, but when we talk about praying, praying privately or with the intention in mind even when you do a circumlocution you're thinking about his name his holy name whether you pronounce it or not you know what it looks like it's a yod it's a hay, it's a vav and it's a hay.
1: <coughs>
0: and even if you're using a circumlocution even if you're substituting that with something else because you find that name to be holy, you're still thinking about those four letters. Interestingly enough, those same four letters are found in Yehuda, the people of prayer, Yehudi, with an an extra hey. No, it's a dalit. excuse me, with a dalit, with an extra dalit. So the dalit is a door you bend down when you go through a door the subservience, a thing of subservience, This thing of reverence. So, the very name of God is imprinted, imprinted upon the people of prayer. Uh, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, but he does. He addressed D, God. If
1: you take the D out of Hebrew, you get very close pronunciation of modern Hebrew.
0: Maybe. Yeah. The... Could be. That's right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, That's good. Uh, the last thing, thank you very much for, for adding that. Let's go to, the last thing I want to look at is prayer propensities, And I wish I'd Saved extra time for this, but go to go to Joel chapter two verse twelve.
1: Joel, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Yeah, that right.
0: Too far. Hosea, Joel. Uh, We go to uh, Joel 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me. Shuv, Shuv, that idea of turning. Repent. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. When you're afraid that you have sinned against the Holy God, this is the kind of prayer you
1: pray. Psalm 32.
0: Psalm 32 verses 1 through 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. When you didn't pray this way. My bones grew old Though my, uh, through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you. And my inquiry, I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And if you forgive, gave the iniquity of, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Selah means rest. Pause. He did it. He did it. In other words, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Think about that for a moment. And that's the whole idea behind prayer is repentance. Does anyone not love Kol Nidre? I mean, obviously Kol Nidre is a difficult. Prayer, series of prayers at, 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 uh, on the uh, Rev Yom Kippur, the night before the Day of Atonement. But is that not a precious thing? Notice that all the times we're saying, We have sinned against you, we have done wantonly, we have, and going through the litany of all the things you're doing, you go, well, I haven't done that. Why are we using the word we? It's why we do it out loud, it's why we do it together. We didn't do all, each of us did not do all these things. What we're doing is we're standing up in front of God and saying, we as a people have done everything against you. So why do I participate if I haven't done all that? I contributed. You may not have done what I've done, right? But I've done what you didn't do. And maybe we all did some of the same. And as a group, we are in deep need of God's mercy. We are in need of God's mercy. That, you know, listen, the sacrifice of Yeshua, the, the absolute perfect atonement that is, was given at the cross does not mean that it never happened when we sinned. It means we're not being charged with it. Do we still have a responsibility to repent? Absolutely. The apostolic scriptures are full of of repentance, of the righteous, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to Him, First John, right? And what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Let's talk about First Second uh, Chronicles real quickly. Go to Second Chronicles chapter six, verse twelve, and I'm going to do this really quickly. Second Chronicles chapter six, verse twelve. If you have time. Just afternoon, let me encourage you to go through all these ca- these passages and read these. Uh, it's it's a remarkable thing what Solomon says asks of God. Uh, Second Chronicles six twelve says, um, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had it set in the midst of the court, and he stood on it knelt down on his knees before the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised to your servant David, my father. You have spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel, now keep what you have promised your servant David, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man to sit ...before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk in my law as you have walked before me. And now, Lord God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and heaven... Heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard this, regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord, my God, and listen to the cry and prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be open toward this temple day and night, toward the place where you said you would put your name, and that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. Going through this list of prayers here whether it's the prayers of individuals or of nations. Look at verses 29 through 31. Whatever, the, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by, any, by all of your people Israel, whether individually or collectively, when each one knows his own burden and his own grief and spreads out his hands to this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men that they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as you live in the land as long as they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Go down to verse 40 through 42. Now my God, I pray, let your eyes be open. Let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Now therefore, Arise, O Lord, from to your rest arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you in the ark of your strength, this is from numbers, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in goodness, O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed, remember the mercies of your servant David he's recounting the promises made uh, and Recognizing. Uh, by the way, if you go through all these, uh, the stranger that dwells among them is listed. Uh, those those who are not uh, a- Israelite by birth are listed as when they pray, hear their prayer. Yeah,
1: um, uh,
0: circumcision. No, actually, no. That's, yeah, just it's Ger uh, 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 stranger who dwells among them. Uh, Second Chronicles seven one through four. When Solomon finished praying fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord of the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. That's from, from Psalm 118. Lehashem uh, kitov ki leolam as we say it again and again in the Hallel prayers at Sukkot. Ki Alam Khazdo. His mercy endures forever. He's good.
1: They bowed. They found what your worship was.
0: Yeah. His, lo- his loving kindness endures forever. That's right. That's right. Um, and then verses 12 through 16 we read already. Uh, what we need to remember is that prayers of repentance God finds to be sweet. He finds them to be always good. These are not prayers we pray when we feel really bad that we've done something only. These are prayers we should pray all the time. Prayers of repentance.
1: We were driving last night and um, we turned on the radio and Dobson was on the radio. Mm -hmm. He said that all across our country in the next this weekend and up to the election people are getting together fasting and praying and in San Diego he said possibly up to 50,000 people are going to enter yeah. to pray together I,
0: I, I, so that's I keep the
1: first thing yeah, it, to it is. Nine is what be I keep
0: waking up in the middle of the night and when I wake up praying in the middle of the night I feel like I've joined a large group that's already praying <laughs> let's keep praying let's keep praying thank you for thank you for uh, listening let's now pray Father, thank you that you have heard our prayer, that you do hear our prayers. We know that you are good and compassionate, God, that your mercies are endless. We consider the sins that we have committed. We are amazed that your mercy endures. And Father, we know that it does. It endures forever. You are good. We praise your name because you are a good and righteous God. We accept your righteous judgment. And Father, we ask that you might bless us not in the way that we deserve, but Father, you might bless us with you as king over us soon and eternally. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.